This is the Two Marketeers podcast, where hosts and marketing experts Sean Patrick and Lindsay Waugh seek to uncover what makes brands so powerful and how they impact modern society and culture. Hi. Sorry, Lindsay threw me off. She said one, two, three, as opposed to three, two, one. Oh yeah. Sorry. It's not very production of me, is it? I'm not great with change. Hmm. I guess I should be <laughs> considering my you job. Should be, but here we are. Yet here we are. How are you, Lindsay? I'm good. I'm, I'm as good as it's going to get right great. now. You may hear my raspy voice. I have my radio voice. Hello. Hello. Try not to get seduced, marketeers. How are you, Sean? I'm fine. Thanks for asking. Let's get into it. Okay. Hey, Lindsay. Hey. How much do you make? Too much for you to know. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> or is it? Not very transparent of me, is it? No. I think that's illegal. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> okay that was great role playing wow we need to do mm -hmm. more of that yeah we're gonna talk about the pay transparency act this is a fascinating topic because i've got views on both sides me too you do yeah yay let's start with what your first reactions were uh, maybe we maybe we should talk about what pay transparency okay, is. Okay, what is it? Why are we talking about this? What is it? Um, the Pay Transparency Act is essentially a law they want to put forward where when a company posts a job, they need to be transparent about what the pay is. That's yes. the long and short of it. Yeah. You know, there's there's a lot behind it, but it's kind of like we don't want to talk about all the details. We want to talk about how we think that will impact things. Yeah. Is it right? And they're Is trying to like eliminate inequality and bias and things as well. Because I also saw that they need to be transparent about their use of AI and hiring practices as well, which is Correct. just trying to reduce the bias of certain hiring practices and then also trying to reduce the inequality around pay and helping to make it more transparent for the people who are looking to get jobs. Yes. And that's, that was like a recent addition, right? Yeah. So what was your first reaction? <laughs> My first reaction was maybe a bit cynical. It was like, no, really? I learned to be a negotiator of myself, trying to get a high salary, not knowing what, you know, having to become a good negotiator of my own salary and standing up for myself because there was such a lack of transparency. Yeah. So I was like, wow, that would have been nice, which kind of was kind of like <laughs> my first <laughs> cynical view. And then as I explored it more, especially because it impacts mostly marginalized groups, right? Women yeah. being a, a big part of that, because I think they still said in 2021, women make 89 cents compared to men. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, whatever the, the basis is, it's they make 89 cents on the dollar that a man makes. Right. So 
then uh, of course when i thought about it a little bit further i was like amazing it's amazing for for people like me specifically and for marginalized people and and especially marginalized groups that include women as part of that so then i was like that's wonderful that, that you don't have to fight for yourself so hard that perhaps transparency can help people actually get what what they're worth yeah, it is still a fight, but the intention is to make it as fair a fight as possible. Yeah, it's an informed fight. Yeah. More informed. Yeah, what was your initial reaction? Well, sure enough, I was the opposite. So <laughs> I started with, wow, this is, you know, it's something I've always felt um, in recruitment. I've experienced it. It's like, can we not waste everyone's time and can we just talk about the value because we're yeah. wasting time. And I think when I became freelance many, many years ago, um, that was always the thing is I realized there's so much energy wasted is to say, I always equated it to the dating metaphor. And it's like, you know, if you're on a date with someone and, and you know, your frame of mind, your mindset is that of, look, I really want to meet someone so I can settle down. And then that person you have coffee with says, you know, they seem all the right things, but they say, well, just so you know, I, I'm a meth addict. Well, great. That's really good to know right now. You have a great day. I know it's yeah. extreme, but that's the metaphor of why are we having conversations when I don't even know if you align with what I want? And a big part of that Correct. is the money. Yeah. We go looking for jobs very clearly with an amount, right? That's the amount we need to make. And if that's not something someone is comfortable talking about, then there's a good chance you will mm -hmm. not like their answer. <laughs> right. And I think it's like, I've always been someone who's just been very comfortable talking about it. And I always approach the negotiation as a game. Like, let's see what we can do here kind of situation. But I know not a lot of people are not well equipped with the information of what to expect, where the wiggle room is, how to negotiate, you know, where to start, all of those things, especially you know, new Canadians and people coming into the market and all that different thing. There's so many things that you're unaware of. And so I think it really helps those um, types of people have more information going into it. Yeah, it, it, it saves a lot of time. It saves everybody a lot of time and energy, especially when what I'm hearing and have been hearing for a while is with this, you know, workplace environment or this job market is that people are having you know, seven to 10 interviews to only be ghosted or those sort of things. It's so prevalent. Everyone I talk to. It's so prevalent. So that's what was on my mind where I'm like, God, you know, you're saving, like you said, you call it, I call it the dance, right? And if you, yeah, either you dance or you don't, because some people like it, some people don't, it is a dance you have to uh, recognize is there. So that was my first reaction was like, this is good. This is just forcing some transparency, that's really going to be win-win. Mm -hmm. I didn't even think about the equity aspect of it because when I first heard it, it was, you know, I think I heard it on the radio and it was all about me. <laughs> then I, you know, the equity piece of it and all of that, it just supports it. But on the other side, I think it aligns with what you're saying is it's just another dance that people will get better at. Yeah, because negotiation's a learned skill, right? Yeah. You know, this happens a lot, I think, 
in our day and age where it's wonderful that we have a government that, you know, listens and really tries to fix it, but they try and fix it before we really understand the impact it can have. And what I feel is gone is what happened to, well, let's look historically, right? Like, let's look historically about why is this kind of model in place? When did things start working this way? And, and I have, to, I can't, it's hard for me to be objective because I'm a 50 something year old white male. I was always able to, to dance, right? Like you got to get yeah. into the dance before you can even start negotiating. So I'm at an, I don't know, but I feel like I can see it. I can see it being used to advantage those that maybe it wasn't intended to advantage. Mm. And who I mean about that is this idea of at least in our sort of world, like the world of knowledge workers, this pervasive thing I hear about, you know, top performers feeling like they're paid equally to those who are not top performers. Right. That's what I was wondering. Like, does it work the reverse way as yeah. well, right? Where people who get paid a lot, who maybe, maybe perhaps they are a top performer or they bring something different or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Does that then work to their disadvantage? Exactly. And, uh, you know, I guess right. we'll find out. Yeah. What it did do for me is really, once again, bring back sort of, so what does frustrate me? about that. What does frustrate me personally? How do I see that affecting others? And it's just, it, it comes back to, you know, me, I've always been a big proponent of, and actually really tried to master how you value talent and how mm -hmm. on an individual basis, and how do you beyond the pay, how do you ensure that each individual is seen for what they have to offer and how do you help get them there? That's the part nobody talks about. Well, that's where I think the they're starting to dip their toe with the AI situation, right? Because yeah. in hiring talent, in having those conversations, in being able to speak to people one-on-one -on -one to understand their perspective and their value, that's not necessarily something that a... AI, that AI tools can do, right? So in the way that we talk about how strategy is a bit of art and science, I would assume that hiring practices are also art and science in that how you figure out who the best candidates are aren't necessarily just based on an algorithm. Absolutely. And I think the AI piece is, an, I actually think the AI piece is more, even better than the pay transparency um, because it brought to light something I have been aware of, but just couldn't pinpoint. And it's idea mm -hmm. that how do you even apply for jobs? How, as a marketer, uh, how is the, how is there some kind of authenticity between how the people looking for a specific person can find that person? And I believe there's this false belief and trust in a system that forces people to dance in ways they don't dance. Like, picking keywords for resumes and what's my LinkedIn yeah. profile. It's like, it's just all, we're all running at this, trying to solve it. And I, I just, I'm more curious as to how will it change the recruiting process? That's, I want to hear from leaders because I feel yeah. we haven't heard a lot of that. And I even wonder from recruiting companies, what does this mean for them? 
this if this is going to shorten the process, I got to believe that that's a hit economically to the recruiting industry. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, you know what's interesting about that too? Space. Yeah, totally. Because I, when I was researching for this episode, yes, I did research. At a girl a touch. Thank you. A touch. Uh, there's very little opinion pieces about this out there. No. It's all here's what the Transparency Act is. Then it's a bunch of law firms stating what that means. And I even went on LinkedIn under LinkedIn articles to see if anyone had just written like their point of view on what and like. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. Like no one's saying anything. Like we were all fired up. Like, okay, this is happening. Like this is going to be groundbreaking. And then I'm like, oh, it happened five years ago. Oh, I know. They tried, but then they shelved it because the government changed. Oh, it's already in BC. Oh, New York's been doing it. And I'm like, where's the story? So it yeah. could be just like you know, we've done this before. The right to disconnect, and oh my gosh, this is such a big thing. And it's sort of like, eh, we'll see. Mm-hmm. But I'm really curious as to what this, what will unfold, and will it end up like you said? I think in the labor force, and I think for the spirit of it is so right, but yeah, I don't know I much. Of, I don't know much about that. Yeah. But how will it affect the industry we're in of marketing and advertising and creative and strategy? Um, it'll be interesting. I wonder if it has a place there. Yeah. And like you said, they've been doing it in California and New York, which are also like big hubs of adding creative shops and industries. And I haven't seen anything, even when I looked around, I haven't seen anything on like the impact or how people feel about it. So like even being able to follow those markets as they go through what happens with this, I think will be interesting parallels for us to learn as well here in, in Toronto and in Canada about what the impact of that can be. Yeah. This is for those who know their worth to a certain extent. At least they know their mm-hmm. minimum. And and that's the dance to play. If there's a number there and you feel that number is fair, then you go in. Yeah. And yeah. you'll quickly find out whether it truly is fair. Right. There are so many things I could say about this. I feel like we don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll ask you one more question. Can I ask you one more question? Yes. So when I first became a freelance consultant, I'm a Capricorn. I'm a A-type Capricorn, okay? So I put together a business plan of like, here's, here's what I need to be able to make to pay my mortgage. Here's how many hours that might be. Here's then how many projects I would have to work on to be able to make that money. And all of that kind of, all of those details, right? Yeah. And I really felt like at that time, I was like, this is the first time when I'm truly going to be able to be in control of the money I make. I'm not like handcuffed by someone else's budget. I'm not like impacted by the fact that I'm not a man in an an industry that has a lot of men or whatever. Like I feel, I felt like this was the first time I could start to try and take control by stepping to the side and going a different path as to how much money I made and the value that I conveyed about myself and the value that I needed to start to believe in the services that I provided. Do you have any sort of thoughts or situation like that when you first started freelancing? 
Oh my gosh. I mean, let's be honest. And I was young too. It was like the industry was still pretty young that way. And it was like, how much do people charge? I don't know how much do they charge. Okay. We charge that much. There wasn't, there wasn't this crazy sort of procurement and bottom line and ROI. Yeah. It was just about how much should people like us make? And we're almost like, we were like a friend's kind of scenario. They're exactly the same age as we are, but we were all like, we all knew how much each other made and we all fought for each other because we were all good, like equally good. I'll say, um, yeah, it's so about brand Lindsay. So everything you just said for the first time you, you went with, you controlled the perception of your value. And that's what a brand does. A brand is not about you. It is about the perception of you. That is why it exists. And you know, that's from what you said, that's what I always have to remember. I'm a brand. And if I, if I take this, maybe I need it right now, but if I take this, will it erode my brand? Will I want mm -hmm. to do it? Will I, if I hate it, but I need the money, will I, will I be proud of myself for the outcome? These are yeah. all the things after years of value development is it is not about compensation. It is about value exchange. Mm -hmm. You are exchanging value tit for tat. And when the value starts at a base that is based on money and only money, if you don't control the other things that ensure that value you provide is maintained, that's why people quiet quit. It's why people leave. It's why people leave yeah. and don't come back. It's why we have a hollowed out middle. Uh, we've talked about it before. This is a great opportunity to right a lot of wrongs, this act. The yeah. question is, is think about the other wrongs you have to write and maybe take some accountability with, now that this freedom is there is to say, how do I then maintain that's a hundred thousand dollars and I'm in and we negotiate, I'm in, it is my job to sustain my value, not let it slip and think that it's always about compensation. You have to work so hard and we will tell you when you've reached that what we think is a hundred thousand dollars salary. It's like, no, mm -hmm. this, this, that was the point of entry. Right. Yeah. So unless I'm not doing my job very clearly and, and to really start preserving that because you're never doing yourself any favors by reducing the perception of your value. Yeah. Cause I think that your value is never going to be something that you have to, that you will stop fighting for. Like even today, I've been freelancing, consulting for four something years. Every day I still fight for my value. Every day I have to talk about what I provide, where I've come from, what I do, how I do it, all of those. Like it does not stop. And I don't think for these, for people as well, just because you see a number that you agree with on a job posting that you're going to be like, well, that's my value. And you agreed to it. Ugh. Like you said, it's the starting point. There is still going to be a negotiation that happens after that. There is still going to be fighting for your value that happens after that. And so constant. Yeah. So it's a nice starting place, but it's also a prompt to people, I think, to get good at, like you said, understanding your value and being able to negotiate it. You will always have to stand up for yourself. Yeah. You need to build your brand. Your brand is where you start. Um, and then you have to build it over time constantly. And knowing that, you know, everything I do can contribute to the value that others see in me. And how do you constantly intermingle the you, the professional is the brand. And how do you always use the best parts of you 
to raise the value of what that brand is. And that can be being funny. That could be being disciplined and going home at six o'clock. That can be uh, having a great process. To Lindsay's point, you're going to constantly have to protect that value and look at this kind of act as this is a great way in to save a lot of time, but only more reason to make sure that you don't compromise your value. I'm also just super happy to hear that humor plays into your value. Yeah. <laughs> We're good to go, right? Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, I'm real super curious to, to hear what happens here. Thanks for the deep questions, Lindsay. It's always fun to answer. Bye, Marketeers. Okay, talk to you soon. Bye, Marketeers. Thanks for listening to the Two Marketeers podcast. New episodes launch every two weeks. Find the Two Marketeers podcast on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you like to listen. And be sure to rate and subscribe. Listen on our website, thetwomarketeers.ca, or you can ask Alexa to play the Two Marketeers podcast. Want to keep in touch? Follow the Two Marketeers on LinkedIn or at Two Marketeers on TikTok. We've always got something to share. This podcast is over.